Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, this is Eric Schlein. You're listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast. And uh, we have Brian Dress on, investment analyst at Left Brain Capital Management. Uh, Brian, welcome so much to the show. Thank you. It's great to be uh, on the program. Yeah, for sure. So tell me a little bit about um, you know the the company that you're an analyst for, Left Brain Investment Research. You know what do, what do you guys do? What, what's your philosophy like? And tell us a little bit about you as well. Sure. Um, so I've been in the investment business for about 15 years. Um, I was a commodities trader down at the Board of Trade uh, in Chicago for uh, quite a few years until about two years ago. Um, so I switched over to the long-term uh, investment business with Left Brain. Uh, so I've been with Left Brain for the last year and a half. Left Brain is uh, three businesses under one roof. So we have um, our retail business, which we've had since 2014, Left Brain uh, Wealth Management. Um, we started with one advisor, which is our CEO, Nolan Langford. We've uh, built up to three advisors, about $150 million under management, um, with a strict focus on security selection and bond and stocks. Um, in 2016, we opened a hedge fund vehicle um, where we have a little bit more high-octane strategy, but same kind of investment principles. Um, and, and then we, in 2019, have opened the Left Brain Investment Research. Um, I think we'll talk a little bit more about kind of the challenges that we see in the wealth management business. but. This is sort of a, a reaction to those troubles, which is, you know, it's tough for advisors to find a value proposition sort of in this world of passive investing. And we have created all this research in-house that we think can help uh, advisors serve their clients better, retain their clients, um, and help them, you know, find their investing goals. Uh, so we started Left Brain Research uh, this year and just sort of softly rolling that out to the public today. and. Um, yeah, looking to help advisors serve clients is really sort of the mission of the of the new business. Now, are you working both with investors and advisors, or just advisors? So, you know, in our wealth management business, um, we definitely work work with investors. We've okay. got you know tw- twenty years of uh, of experience doing that, uh, but we're sort of targeting both advisors and inv- individual investors um, with the research product. But really, uh, advisors more than anything else. Okay, cool. And you know, has the um, you know how do you feel like the shift from active to passive um, has affected the wealth management business as a whole? Since you you seem to have a pretty good, just from some of our conversations, you know, before the show, pretty good insight into that industry. Yeah, so it's really challenging for uh, individual investment advisors these days. Um, you know, because you don't want to pay a fee if you're an investor, if you can just buy index funds and sort of forget about it. Sure. Um, so it's really about, can you provide a value proposition? Um, and, you know, we, luckily we've always been active managers here. Um, so we sort of, you know, look for stocks and bonds and, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of challenges for investors right now, especially if you're looking for income um, with in- the interest rates sort of compressed as they've been for the last 10 years, it's really a search to find products and vehicles that can generate income um, for you know older clients and retirees and, and things like that. So, um, you know, we're lucky because we sit here and we we follow about 900 bonds 
uh, on a weekly basis. And nine, we have 900? 900 bonds. Okay. Um, so we have an internal uh, research platform called Jarvis that spits out data every week for us and kind of tells us where to look. And then, uh, you know, we have about five, uh, the equivalent of five full-time analysts on staff now um, that sift through that sort of that data and then develop reports. And finally, you know, we, de- we develop probably one or two bond ideas a month, um, both for our retail clients, you know, and for the hedge fund vehicle. Um, so we have all this research bandwidth that we know a lot of other advisors just don't have the resources, you know, to do that research. And so we want to come out, kind of show our investment philosophy, which we really believe in, and, you know, help a lot of these investment advisors that, that need sort of that research bandwidth that they, 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 can, they cannot afford in their current business model. Can, can you say a little bit more about, you said Jarvis is what it's called? Yeah, Jarvis. So we, uh, about five years ago, uh, my boss commissioned uh, a developer to develop this, this platform for us. And so we uh, input a number of different quantitative um, and qualitative factors and it sort of ranks every stock and bond in our universe uh, every week. So we kind of keep tabs on a, a huge universe of securities um, using technology. And what do you, what are you guys looking for on the 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 either the bond or the the um, stock side? Well, we look on the stock side. We look at a number of factors, both fundamental and technical. So fundamentally, you know, we have interest in sort of what's the revenue growth of the business gross margins, you know, any sort of competitive dynamics. Um, are we seeing acceleration in results, meaning our gross margins expanding? Are, is revenue growth accelerating? And then all the way to the technical factors of sort of RSI um, and sort of 200-day uh, moving average and things of that nature. So it's a very wide universe of data that we look at that just kind of compiles into one score. And then every stock and every bond is ranked from one to whatever number um, of stocks we're looking at. So when it comes to, um, you said competitive dynamics, is that what the word you used? Yes. How, how do you, how are you quantifying that? Um, so it's kind of like we have a one to seven. So one meaning, you know, there's literally no other competitor in the space. And so, you know, when we do our research, um, on the qualitative side and sort of in the more long form, um, we actually, you know, go through the, the earnings calls, the 10K, the MDNA, and kind of understand more about the, the dynamics of the co- competition. And then um, we'll put a score one to seven on it. Oh, so there is, there, there, is a the human, there is a human input to that. Oh, absolutely. Got it. Yeah, okay. we, it's very, very human. So we take a lot of the, we have so many factors in there. Many of them are quantitative, but many of them are qualitative. Got so uh, when somebody does a research report, um, you know, those qualitative factors are fed into the machine as well. Okay. Got it. Got it. So now I also was looking around your website a little bit and you guys run pretty concentrated portfolios. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, what our CEO likes to say a lot is if you look at the Forbes 400 list, you're going to see, uh, pretty much almost everybody on that list has made their money from one or two businesses. Right. Uh, so we kind of understand that principle and we believe in that principle. Of course, we don't have the visibility into the business, say, like a Bill Gates has into Microsoft. So that means we have to diversify a little bit more than that. But uh, especially in the fund, uh, in the hedge fund, we're always at 20 to 25 stocks, no more. 
Um, so that means if we add an, add a new stock, we got to take one out. So it's always uh, competition for bandwidth of, in our investment platform. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm always a little skeptical when someone says we own you know 655 stocks in our in our fund. Yeah, it's like uh, I think they call that index hugging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, we we, we want to provide value. You know, I, might I as well go buy an index go fund at that buy, point. Yeah. Yeah, go buy an index fund for 10 basis points and don't mess around and pay us. You know, our fee. You know, but we want to provide a real value for our fees. So that's really what it all comes down to uh, with concentration. We want to make our clients rich, bottom line. Right. So what, what characteristics do you look for when you're analyzing um, an equity uh, position? So um, both for equities and debt, there are a few things that uh, always, are the, always are the same for us. Management is paramount. We must, par- we must trust the management. Um, so that means... Is there a history of success uh, for this manager? You know, on equity side, we look like look for you know founder CEOs, and has this person you know created a business before? Um, if we see someone that's taken five different companies public, that's the type of manager that we're looking for. Right. You know, we're looking for capital capital allocation strategy. You know, when the stock is low, did they use the um, I'm sorry, when the stock is trading high, did they use the stock as currency to to make it do M and A? And those sort of things, um, you know, do they use debt when they have a really low low cost of debt? That sort of thing. We're really uh, interested in that. And then uh, alignment of interests. You know, we want to see a manager that's got a whole lot of their money in the biz- in the stock of the business uh, before we're going to invest alongside. Okay, got it. And then what about? Uh, um, and then and then, so I'm sorry. And no, then that's okay. just sort of on the management okay. side. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of you know, kind of on the number side. We're looking for big revenue growth. We're looking for accelerating revenue growth. We're looking for uh, large gross gross margins. Like I said, competitive dynamics are crucial. Um, so, in terms of equities, that takes us a lot of times toward these sort of SaaS cloud companies because we're seeing huge gross margins and revenue growth. And so, a lot of our portfolio is is oriented that direction, especially in the hedge fund side. All right. And then, what about when you're looking at? I know you, you guys uh, invest in some distressed debt opportunities as well. Uh, what are you looking for on, on that, you know, on that end in protecting your capital and, and getting, you know, good rates of return, especially in a low interest rate environment? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, I think especially in a low interest rate environment, it's really important to look at these high yield bond opportunities because even in sort of the triple B, low A uh, rating categories, you're getting I don't know, 100 basis points it's over like treasuries it's now. It's like nothing. It's not. It's there's no point in taking that so risk. So who who is taking that risk? Like who I are think those it's a lot buyers? Of, a lot of institutional um, firms that have sort of investment mandates that all they can do is uh, you know investment grade credit, and that's that. Okay, so they it. just can't deal. And then so that's got to be a shitty kind of, job. Like if that's your job, yeah. just buying that all day, you, like you must feel horrible about yourself as you're like, why am I doing this? Because I'm forced it's not to. it's not interesting. No. It's definitely not interesting. Um, so we're always looking for deleveraging as the number one. You know, what's okay. the game plan for getting leverage down? Either that, whether that be buying back some of their own debt or getting an EBITDA higher. Um, we're always looking for overall trends. So what's the trend in revenue, EBITDA, total debt? Are those going in the right direction? Um, we have a, a measure we use called spread per turn of leverage. So if a company is 4x levered and it's an 8% bond, we say that's a 2x spread per turn of leverage. So we look for 2x or better um, 
but we've learned a lot over the last couple of years, especially through energy bonds. Um, that's a, that sometimes is a liar, that statistic. So what really comes down to for debt, for the debt side is free cash flow. Do we see free cash flow generation from this business, either historically or going forward? That is sort of the holy grail um, on the non-IG credit side. Okay. I mean, well, I mean, energy has been destroyed these last few years. Are you seeing opportunities right now in, in the, the debt side for any, you know, either commodity companies, energy companies, anything like that? You know, the reality is those just keep coming up on our screen because the, the yields are so, so incredibly high compared to sort of other uh, sectors. So, you know, sometimes we want to just forget energy and walk away, but there's no choice because there are some strong energy companies. You know, if you've come through 2016 and 20, 2018, 2019 and survived, uh, it's a very likely chance you're going to survive going forward. So it's a little different on the credit side. Than the equity side. On the equity side, we're looking for companies that are going to going to thrive. Uh, on the debt side, we're just looking for a company that's going to survive and pay us our money back in five years or less. That's pretty much um, the bottom line with with credit. So let's start on the debt side first. Um, sure. Maybe we can do like three um, debt ideas and three uh, equity names. Is that does that work? Absolutely. All right. So let's that's start. Great. Let's start with some distressed bonds that you guys have been looking at recently that you, you think are interesting? Okay, sure. So I have a couple that are uh, actually in the energy space and then okay. one in the retail space, which is kind of a household name. So basically industries that have been completely distressed the last few years. Yeah, that's just the, the nature of, of high-yield bonds. Right. You're going to be looking at securities that every single one of them is going to have warts on it. you know. And when we sort of train up new analysts, a lot of them have dealt sort of on the equity side before. And, I, was, you know, I wasn't we saying teach that them in, a, in a bad way. I mean, I like Oh, no, not at all. Okay. No, but but it's we have to kind of teach them a totally different mindset to sort right. of, you know, you're looking at something totally different for credit than you are for equity. So in any case, so the first one is called YPF, which is an Argentine um, E&P exploration uh, company, uh, oil company, um, with an 8.5% coupon on the 2025 bonds. So they're the largest uh, integrated oil play in Argentina. Um, a lot of your listeners have probably followed with Argentina. Serious problems with the sovereign debt there. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so the trouble with uh, companies that are in um, so a company in Argentina, no matter how no matter how strong that company is, they're never going to have a credit rating higher than the sovereign. So right. that creates a sort of a um, sort of an arbitrage opportunity almost, um, where we see YPF as a much stronger bond than sort of the Argentine bonds. They have um, they're the largest oil producer in Argentina, and the beauty for them relative to other Argentine companies is. Uh, since they're an oil company, all the revenue comes in U.S. dollars. All their debts denominated in U.S. dollars, so you're not dealing with a, a foreign ex, uh, an FX exposure there. Um, and they're really well run. They've uh, entered tons of uh, joint ventures in order to save on capex, so they're really pulling back in terms of capex. Mm -hmm. um, very good, uh, you know, free cash flow over the last few quarters. Um, Revenue growth is basically flat in dollar terms, so that's fine for us in the in the credit side. And leverage is under three three x. So when you're looking at a bond that yields sort of twelve and a half percent, 
compensation is really large in this case uh, relative to the risk factors, in our opinion. Okay, interesting. And then uh, what's another one? Another one is Transocean, which is one I think everybody's probably familiar with. Yeah, uh, they got a seven and a half per- forever seven and a half percent twenty thirty one bond, which is yielding close to thirteen uh, percent at current price levels. Um, reason why we like them, they have the best rig fleet in the business by far. They have something like thirty of the top one hundred rigs worldwide. Um, if you read their last call, they're saying that oil activity is starting to pick up in the offshore business, which is their bread and butter. Um, and that with their with their rig fleet, they're very well positioned to take advantage with oil uh, prices stabilizing, which we start we're starting to see the last couple of months. Um, the leverage is pretty high around 11, but it's really driven by the fact that EBITDA has been uh, diminished over the last few years just because of the oil price. Right. Um, despite sort of that difficult environment, they have five straight years of uh, free cash flow positivity, um, which is really impressive to us given sort of the difficult environment in oil. Um, and then we're also looking at the guy at two and a half billion in cash on the balance sheet four four billion in total liquidity uh, and 12 billion in backlog business um, with pretty much all uh, the counterparties to that business is um, investment grade credit. So we're very confident that that business will actually um, finally book uh, over the next few years. So very solid business there, uh, in our opinion. Interesting. Why wouldn't you? Uh... Do you think the debt is more interesting than the equity with that company? We do. So mostly, most of these companies in, in the non-IG, if you look at their stocks, they just sort of languish sort of in the dollar, $5 area um, and just get thrown out completely. And uh, we, we think the principal opportunity – so when you're buying a bond in TransOcean's trading at 75 or 80 and it yields uh, – it has a coupon of 7.5%, well, if they bring that business around – you're going to be starting to talk talk about trading at par uh, within the next 12 to 24 months. So um, the principal opportunity, appreciation opportunity, is there as well. So, uh, but higher in the capital stack. So if things do do go wrong, you have a chance to get paid back at least part of your money. Right. Right. Okay. And then uh, what's what's the last one? The third one is a household name. It's uh, L Brands. Um, so basically, they have the Victoria's Secret business. Uh, and the Bath and Body Works business. They've got a 6, 6.95% 2033 bond, which yields almost 10% now, um, which is interesting uh, because there's actually revenue growth, uh, 10% revenue growth at Bath and Body Works, which is about 40% of their business now. Um, and then we, uh, I think a lot of people have heard Victoria's Secret struggling um, kind of to keep up with the times, but still pretty flat in the revenue side there as well. So for a retail business, you know, to have any revenue growth is almost unheard of uh, these days, especially companies that sort of uh, make their home in the mall. Um, we also see there's a new CEO at Victoria's Secret coming over from Tory Birch um, that kind of gives us hope that Victoria's Secret can bring uh, the business around as well. Um, L Brands has a long history of being uh, a strong capital allocator. Um, leverage is currently under three times uh, debt to EBITDA. Which means a ni- over a nine percent yield is, is extremely generous uh, for a company as stable as LB. Uh, they have twenty three straight years of positive free cash flow, so we really feel confident in the history of this business. And the free cash flow has been accelerating since twenty seventeen. 
um, especially because they've got a store closure strategy that's been bringing leverage down slowly over the last couple of years. So um, we feel very comfortable um, with LB. It's, so we kind of bifurcate. So companies like YPF and RIG is a little bit more on the speculative side for us. Um, we still believe in them. We think they're solid. But LB is like, I put my grandma on that bond. Right. If, if that makes any kind of sense. And, and it's trading at what right now? What what kind of discount to par? Um, the L brand's bond is trading about 81, 83, somewhere in that range. Okay. Um, so huge principal opportunity, appreciation opportunity there as well. Um, you know, when we do, when we make these distress debt, distress debt investments, you know, of course the coupon's nice. That helps us stay in the stay in, in the game and and move forward but you know if we can buy a bond at 80 take that to 100 in in 12 months you're talking about 25 percent return I mean, that's where you're making the real bond. money from that yeah yeah the real money is on the principal appreciation side absolutely right all right and then uh let's do like three equity names sure so the first one's going to be splunk uh okay. splunk is a data analytics company um We've been following these guys for years. Um, they basically call themselves sort of a Google for your data in the enterprise. So just an easy way to um, real, uh, you know, easy words, uh, queries for, for your data to learn a lot about sort of your customers and your operations. Um, Splunk's got over 30% revenue growth, 53% growth in the recurring revenue, which we really like. Um, we're very interested in sort of on the SaaS, uh, SaaS companies that have this recurring revenue. Um, we think the model is so much stronger than the old perpetual license model. So really encouraged that they're going away from perpetual licensing completely at Splunk. Um, and, the, and the company trades around nine times forward sales, which um, is a little bit a little bit elevated, but not too bad when you're talking about a company with gross margins over 80%. Uh, and growth as as high as they have. Um, what, and what's, what's the, the revenue growth of, been? Uh, it's about thirty okay. percent annually. Um, and so, in the last quarter, they won um, several eight-figure deals. So they're really starting to penetrate in, in terms of large enterprises, um, such as Domino's, uh, where they've got a huge account. Um, yeah, really becoming uh, ubiquitous, sort of in the in, in the enterprise space. Got it. And then uh, what else? Another company that we're looking at is called Talend, uh, tickers TLND. They're a tiny French cloud company, about a $1 billion market cap. Um, so we've found are they, over are the they, years Are they that trading in France or are they U.S. traded? There's an ADR okay. in the U.S. Got it. Um, so we kind of found that our biggest appreciation opportunities in the equities when we're talking about trying to make five, 10 baggers is sort of in this 1 billion to 10 billion space. So Talon kind of came up in that, uh, in that context. Um, they're a cloud company. They do data integration, um, basically enabling companies to use data, gaining insights, um, for customers and operations, very similar to Splunk. Um, they already have 3,500 customers, uh, including such companies as HP, Citigroup, GE, AstraZeneca, Lenovo. So you know they're penetrating into the large uh, in the large enterprises. Annual recurring revenue is up 27% year on year. But what's really uh, piqued our interest is there's cloud revenue growth in this company of over 100% for 13 straight quarters. 
Um, and I think what will really uh, interest you as a value investor is this thing trades at less than four times forward sales. Hmm. So, you know, we think there's a huge opportunity for growth here uh, and multiple expansion. Interesting. And then what's the last one? So the final one is our stock of the year for 2020. Um, it's another household name, I think, uh, especially a lot of the younger people who are using streaming services. It's Roku. Okay. Yep. So Roku, Roku is an operating system um, that incorporates pretty much all streaming platforms. Um, and it's in actually one third of new TVs that ship uh, these days. And, and um, it has a nice advertising platform that is not annoying. Uh, as a user, I know this is the case. Um, that we think they can really monetize quite uh, spectacularly in the next few years. Um, Roku, from a wealth management perspective, we have a lot of a lot of clients that were holding Netflix uh, for years, so huge gain there, and sort of outsized uh, portion of a lot of our portfolios. So what we've done is we've switched a lot of our uh, a lot of our clients from from Netflix to Roku, um, with kind of the same thesis of obviously streaming being so huge and uh, in today's in today's market. Um, we moved on to Roku where there's a little bit more growth potential and less risk, you know, in terms of content, uh, Roku doesn't really create a ton of content like Netflix does. So we appreciate that in terms of the, uh, in terms of the risk profile. Um, we really like the advertising platform, um, because, you know, the Facebook and Google duopoly companies are looking for any way to advertise anywhere other than Facebook and Google. So we really like that side of it for Roku. Uh, Roku's growing revenue over 50% a year, um, trading about 12 times forward sales, but we're very confident they can grow sufficiently uh, over the next few quarters to justify that multiple. And like I said, Roku is our stock of the year for 2020 uh, at Left Brain. And we're actually, uh, it's our number one position uh, in the hedge fund side. Interesting. And how long ago did you start your hedge fund? 2016 okay. uh, was the beginning of the hedge fund, yes. Cool. Um, so we had a lot of success with. Yeah. Oh, date that. Um, we had a lot of success with sort of individual single bond names, and we thought, you know, this is a great way to move forward um, with the returns that we're generating. We think we can make a make a hedge fund out of this, and we've had quite a good quite a deal good deal of success uh, since 2016 with sort of a half growth equity strategy coubled with half uh, distressed debt, uh, sort of as we've talked about. Cool. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, I, th- I think uh, we should wrap it up. Um, but you know, if people want to be in touch with you or learn more about uh, your company, uh, what's the best way for uh, them to get a hold of you? So you can find us on leftbrainir.com for okay. the investment research side, and then uh, leftbrainwm.com uh, for the wealth management side. Um, and there's a, a lot of good information, a lot of free articles um, on the IR site. Um, so just to kind of get you started to understand our philosophy, um, yeah, it's a great place to start to, to understand us a little bit better, I think. All right, cool. Well, hey, Brian, it was a pleasure having you on the show, and you're welcome to come back on anytime. Absolutely, Eric. Great conversation. Uh, hopefully speak with you soon. Sounds good. All right, take care. All right, All right thanks. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast with Eric Schlein. If you'd like to connect with Eric for questions, comments, feedback, ideas, or to inquire about being on the show, please contact Eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com. 
So, in the words of Charlie Munger, I have nothing to add.